Hello and welcome to Solopreneur, the show that helps business owners who are flying solo to solve their big sales, marketing and systems challenges one episode at a time. You can watch the video version of this episode at solopreneur.com. I'm Gareth Everson and on this episode we're going to focus on that first of those eight processes that fit into your systems and that first process is all about how we find, get and capture leads and specifically on this episode I'm going to talk you through what I think are the top 10 ways of capturing leads on your website or sometimes off your website. So let's get into it. So the first thing that you're probably thinking is 10 ways of capturing leads. And what what we're about to cover may surprise you a little bit that there are more ways of you being able to bring leads into your database and into your world than you perhaps thought of before. If your website only has a contact us form on there and nothing else, then this episode is going to be an absolute goldmine of information. So either have a pen and paper ready or head to solopreneur.com forward slash EP8 and you'll be able to find the notes from this episode with all the tips that are included. Let's start our top 10. So 10th on my list is to have a calendar link on your website. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, There are various different pieces of software that are out there where you can connect up your online calendar, whether it's Google Calendar or your Outlook Calendar, to them. And the widgets that then display on your website will show people, based on rules that you set, your availability where they can book a call with you. These call booking widgets will link up with your Zoom account or Google Meet, if you're Google Hangouts, if you're using that. And what you can do is you can set rules about your availability. So for example, I don't have client or prospect meetings in the mornings because I set aside that time to work on my business or on existing client work. But in the afternoons, I will allow my calendar booking widget to take bookings from people that want to speak to me about problems that they're having. So that's number 10 on our list, having a calendar booking widget. Why isn't it higher? Well, we'll get into that. But the reason it's not higher is that in order to have a face-to-face or online conversation with somebody, you probably want to make sure that they are fairly close to a buying decision. So there are lots of ways, and we'll cover them in a moment, that you can bring leads into your world before you know that they are a perfect fit for you. I don't want you to waste time on calls with people that aren't a either a good fit for you or aren't yet ready to be making those buying decisions. And that's why the meeting links comes relatively low down my list but they still have value. At number nine on the list are chatbots. Now, you might have seen these on Amazon or on various different e-commerce sites. They're the little widgets, the colored widgets that either pop up or show usually in the bottom right-hand corner of a website, and people can click on those, 
and they can ask questions. Now, whether those question responses are automated using AI or whether they go through to you or somebody in your team as a live interaction, that's entirely up to you. I personally favor the live widget. Um, I don't believe, certainly in my space, that uh, which is ironic given that it's technology, I don't believe that a AI interaction that somebody has with my business is the kind of interaction that I'd like them to be having at this stage. I like to bring my personality and my warmth into those chat conversations uh, using that chat widget. Loads of different providers of these. It's included as part of Lemonade Plan, our software. That's not to say that you must buy our software to do that because there are other available options. But chat widgets are a really accessible, relatively low cost way of welcoming leads into your world and answering their questions right there and then on your website. Why are these good? Well, most people, when they are in buying mode or research mode, are actually usually quite lazy and probably won't dig into all the information that exists on your website already. They might not be going through your frequently asked questions sections, or as I like to call them, the should ask questions sections, where you've summarized the questions that people that you've worked with before have had, and you've put those on your website. So chat widgets are a really good way of you being able to answer questions that people have that either exist somewhere else or they're new questions that they haven't found the answers to that they wanted to. There are two forms of these chat widgets. My preference is for the live chat, but chatbots are also a good alternative if you're not either available or happy to do live chat with them. So at number nine, I've put chatbots, and at number eight, I've put live chat. So that's nine and eight on our list. On the live chat angle, if you're worried that you might not be available when somebody plugs in their question into live chat, it might be in the evening, then you needn't worry too much. Most live chat widgets are able to either work on some sort of round-robin basis where if you're not available, it will try and contact somebody else in your team, if indeed you have one. Or if there isn't anybody available, it will default to the alternative of somebody then leaving their details for you to get back to. You've captured the leads, but you're able to get back to them as you and as a real person. Most of the widgets software that's out there to do either live or automated chat will also give you a phone app that works with it and those phone apps will usually have some sort of notification setting in there that will ping your phone or send you a text or send you an email when somebody's been in contact via your website next on our list at number seven is the telephone call to action now, you might think that's a little bit strange in this day and age. People don't seem to like using the telephone anymore. But there is definitely a subset of people who would much prefer, rather than texting you with their request or their question or opting into a form or filling in a contact us form on your website, would much prefer to speak to a real life person there and then, get their questions answered, 
build trust that there is somebody at the end of the line that there is somebody who can answer the questions that they have and respond to them in a way that they appreciate the telephone call to action with a phone number on your website perhaps even a trackable phone number so that you can track the lead source of where that lead came from in the first place some services will even record in your crm the phone call itself so that you've got a history of that bear in mind that you have to let them know that you're recording the calls if you do do that but this is a great way of being able to handle inquiries without too much hassle you don't have to answer the phone especially if it's out of hours it can go through to a voicemail but they're a really good way of capturing the interest of somebody that does want to have a genuine phone conversation it does also add trust if you have a phone number on your website with those people who either value that side of communications more than just text messaging or even those people that don't who are happy to do electronic communications with you it just adds a degree of trust that you are a real life business and a real life person behind that business that they could if they needed to get in contact with you via the phone number six on our list is our first real kind of form entry if you like so instead of a contact us form instead of a lead magnet download form what i'd like you to think about at, for number six is running either a survey or a quiz type opt-in for people who come to your website these are great from a perspective of gathering more information than you otherwise perhaps might do in return for perhaps something that they get on the back end of seeing their quiz score or seeing their outcomes or seeing their readiness for your service when they fill in one of these quiz or these score type opt-ins on your website these have become really popular in recent years there are a number of different publications that are online that give testament to the value of these one is a book called ryan levesque called ask another uk entrepreneur called daniel Priestley has a whole app around this called score app and he has a book that he's published no surprise there daniel Priestley, the uh, prolific author has a book on this called score scorecard marketing where both of those authors detail the value of asking your audience where their problems lie or guiding them down a pathway that helps them identify for themselves where perhaps they have problems that are addressable and then the logical next step either through doing the scorecard or through your follow-up marketing is to guide them through how they can solve those problems themselves so at number six we've got uh, score or quiz or scorecard marketing call it, call it what you like but it's basically running a survey style multi-step quiz if you like on your website when i men mention the score or quiz based lead capture methods to some of my clients many of them start to be worried that this might require a lot of effort on their part to either think about the structure of what that quiz or that scorecard might look like think about the questions that they might be asking think about how meaningful it is but then also to think about let's say we're asking eight or ten questions do i need to then have follow-up for all the different combinations of all the different questions that we've asked how complex is that to either 
think about how we bring those leads into that mix and how we attract leads to take our scorecard in the first place. Are there you know, lots and lots of different ent- entry points or is it a relatively straightforward way of doing things? And the answer to that is that it probably sits somewhere in the middle. These things can be as complicated as you can imagine that they might be. But this, the key to this is identifying certain profiles, certain avatars, if you like, of people who might take those quizzes in the first place. And perhaps have in mind that as you tailor your questions that go into this, and my gut feel is between 8 to 12 questions is a, is a good mix. It shouldn't really take somebody more than 90 seconds to two minutes to complete the quiz to get their outputs. But think as you do that, that there are probably three or four different outcomes that somebody can get off the back of it, ranging from you have big problems through to you having very few problems, uh, but little tweaks can help address them and anywhere and any of those combinations in between. So try and have in mind the way that you want your follow-up to come out the back of these quizzes in as simple a way as possible. Those three or four different, perhaps, pathways that somebody might go down off the back of taking your quiz. The quiz software will typically either be configurable for you to add up scores that come out of it, or it will do it automatically, depending on the uh, the solution that you choose. ScoreApp does automatic calculations, but you pay a premium for it, anywhere between I think about £35 per month up to about £100 per month, depending on what you want those out- outputs to be. Lemonade Plan has surveys built into it. So you, as, as part of your subscription, you're receiving the ability to, to, to do surveys in the, pl- in the first place, but you will need to set up uh, the automations to do the calculation of results off the back of it. But if you go into it with a plan of having three or four potential outcomes from it, those calculations aren't particularly difficult to, to, to do. At number five on our list, and we're about halfway there now, at number five on our list is the classic contact form. Why is it so high? Well, there are many businesses that just simply don't have a contact form on their website. So that's why it's high, just as a reminder that you need to have some means that somebody can get in contact with you in a fairly general way. So they haven't found something that they specifically want on any of your other landing pages or any of your blog content, for example, and they just want to get in contact with you because they're interested in either building a connection with you, perhaps for something in the future, or they've got a specific need in mind that they want to have a discussion with you about. What should you include on that contact form? This is a um, this is a more interesting uh, question. Definitely name an email address and a large text box so that they can put some more detailed text in there about their inquiry. But also I'd include on there either a drop down of what the nature of their inquiry is about so you can start to segment people as they come into your database or perhaps radio buttons. A drop down is probably better because it takes up less space on the form and it looks, how would I describe it, less... Uh, less onerous for them to fill in, but at least if you've got some means to segment that inquiry as it comes into your database, 
whether it's a month or two months or three months down the line, you'll then at least have some sort of categorization of that contact that's come into your database from back when they did so. At number four on our list is something that actually sits off your website, and this is inviting people to become a social media connection of yours. Now, whatever your social media platform of preference is, mine's LinkedIn, but yours might be Instagram or Facebook. It might even be Facebook groups. It might be Slack even if you want to have interactions there or WhatsApp. Mine of choice is LinkedIn. What I will generally do after somebody has become a lead in my business, I'll invite them to also connect with me on LinkedIn. The reason I do that is that if, for argument's sake, 40% of people open my emails, which is quite a high amount, uh, yours might be somewhere between 20 and 50%, my open rate's somewhere around about 40%, it still means that around 60% of people, whenever I send an email out, aren't opening that email. However, if they're a connection of mine on LinkedIn and are open to engaging with or interacting with either my posts or other people's posts on LinkedIn, I can build up more rapport there outside of email. So inviting somebody to become a social media connection is another good way, a secondary way, if you like, of capturing that interest or that lead. You can do it the other way around. So when people become social media connections, you can also invite them, if you choose to do so, to either opt into some sort of lead magnet that you have or opt into your list in some other different way. Don't assume that they want to do that, but you can you can definitely invite them to do that so that they can get more value out of the connection with you. So social media connections are number four on our list. The one caveat that I'd give around building social media connections is that this isn't just purely to build a list of names. This is about building interactions and engagement and rapport with people using social media as a second channel to do that. If, they're sh- if they share the same values as you and they're on similar channels to you, this is a great way of being able to build that further rapport beyond just what they see on your website or what they see from you via your emails. Whether you then choose to take that a step further and turn those chat interactions or those direct message interactions into, say, a follow-up conversation with somebody, a, a chat over coffee or perhaps a Zoom meeting or something of that nature, that's entirely up to you. I generally don't do that. And the reason that I don't do that is that I could I could literally fill my diary with those coffee conversations uh, that you have that you could have with everybody who comes into your world via social media or via your website I will generally choose to offer those conversations with people once I've got to the point where I understand what they're about I understand what their values are um, there's some level of rapport there or they're at a point in their customer journey perhaps if they if 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 they're going down a customer path of of potentially becoming a client of mine i might then offer that opportunity to have an online conversation with them a zoom coffee or a longer interaction or perhaps even a uh, a free help call if they if they're really stuck with something 
um, doesn't have to be hours and hours uh, of time and you can pre-frame what those calls are that look this is 15 minutes 20 minutes uh, just to help you get unstuck i do this for a living if you want to engage with me further if you want to hire me further i'm happy to do that you judge as you see fit um, i generally will strike the balance when somebody is closer to needing help as a customer or client of yours that in my opinion is the point where you might be having those conversations but if they look like an interesting contact to have perhaps as a referrer or perhaps as an influencer in your space you might bring that conversation a little bit further forwards So now we're into our top three. And at this point in time, this is where it really becomes very, very valuable leads um, that are coming into your world and very valuable ways of capturing leads for your business. And the third one is an invitation to somebody to join some sort of online community, either that you're a manager of or that you're a key part of online by which it might be a Facebook group, a LinkedIn group. You might have a Slack or a WhatsApp group where you are managing a private community of people and you're interacting on there and providing answers to people's questions. This is a, whilst a time-consuming community method to manage, it's a really valuable way of building up rapport very quickly with people and building up credibility and authority that they can ask the questions that they have in the particular problems that they've got of you and of other experts within that group. So as long as you choose your format in a way that suits you and suits where you're happy to hang out, whether it's on LinkedIn or WhatsApp or Slack or wherever it happens to be, it's a really valuable way of building rapport very quickly and authority very quickly with people beyond just the content that they see on your website. You can even even go further with those communities and perhaps host weekly or bi-weekly Q&A calls. I call them the ask me anything type calls where you invite those private members of the community to join you on those calls and ask any questions that they've got live and get access to you without necessarily having to be a client at that stage. But obviously, if you're helping them partially along the way, they're far more likely to trust you to take them the full way down to solve those problems that they have. So online communities are a great way of being able to build that rapport further. The one caveat I would give around managing online communities is that they do require time and effort on your part. But in return, especially if you know that you're able to give your leads and indeed clients, if if they're in there as well, great value from your insights and knowledge, they're actually a great way of being able to train those people up in your methods or your methodology or your values. And as a result, they're probably actually going to become better value clients to you, easier to work with, more likely to refer you to others, and certainly have a warmer relationship with you such that when you do ask them for a review or a referral, they're far more likely to give it if indeed they don't already give it without being asked. At number two on our list of 10, getting close to the finish now, at number two is the classic 
ebook opt-in. And this you should include in relevant places on your website. And you should also draw attention to the opportunity to download a guide or a checklist or an ebook from you on various different social media channels um, that you post on as well. These are great from a perspective of being able to help your target audience very quickly either to identify the problems that they've they've got further and start to poke some of those issues that they have an inkling that they're experiencing but don't quite know enough about. So the classic top of funnel or early middle of funnel type uh, challenges that people have. Or they're a great way of teaching people, again, coming back to the communities, how to be great buyers. If you give somebody a process or a checklist or a top 10 list of things that they should be thinking about when it comes to the problems that they have, that matches the way that you deliver solutions to those problems, then you're a logical route for them to be able to go and do that if they don't manage to solve those problems themselves through having downloaded your ebook. I talked about in the past how if you think about the physio context that I talked about on a previous episode where physios would have on their website you know, seven great ways of easing your back pain, knowing full well that most people that download that guide might only do those back pain exercises for the first few days or few weeks, but they're a great lead to have on their database having identified the fact that they've got back pain and the fact that they are in the market potentially for having that back pain solved. So ebook opt-ins, especially around being able to identify or have partial solutions for problems that your clients have, are a great way of attracting interest and leads into your business. And off the back of it, they offer a great route for you to be able to follow up with them in a really structured and logical and meaningful way with them. By which I mean, when you send somebody an ebook after a after an opt-in, don't assume that they're going to have read or digested or understood the entire thing. Your first parts of your follow-up could just simply be rephrasing or restructuring the way you describe those different points are in, that are in that ebook. So it gives you a, an, an an organic and easy route to be able to create content that goes out in those first emails to people that opt in for those ebooks. Finally, at the top of our top 10 list is gated content, which is a techie way of saying that when somebody opts in and gives you their details, you give them access to something that's more meaningful. That more meaningful content could be a more comprehensive PDF guide, but more likely it's going to be some sort of mini training course that gives them value very quickly and gives them some good insights pretty quickly. Or it might be just a series of three, four, five videos on a particular topic. They might be just screen share videos or they might be videos, this one, the video version of this podcast, that uh, take them through a journey of either identifying the problems that they've got or the first steps to solving those problems that they've got with something. I'll give you a really good example. When I was starting to think about doing podcasting as a means to talk to more people in my space, I didn't have a clue 
about the way to structure different episode types. Didn't really have much of an insight into the equipment that I might need in order to be able to start that podcast. And there are a number of different services that I looked at. There were actually podcast hosting services or podcast promotion services, whereby when you filled in your details, you could go through, in effect, a mini course of how to do some of the things that you need to do. It was only the first four or five steps. And in order to go beyond those first few steps, I would have needed to eventually perhaps become a customer of theirs. But they were all great ways of giving me knowledge and understanding and that important education piece for me to then be able to become a better customer somewhere down the line. That's not to say that they will become a customer, but if you educate people in your way of solving things, then they're far more likely to come with you than they're not likely to, if that makes sense. So this is a really good bridge between capturing a lead for the first time and bringing them into your world and educating them to an understanding of how you might be able to help them. So this gated content is a great way to do that. That's our top 10 list. I hope you value it. I hope it's given you a few different ideas beyond where you're at today. If you'd like to explore any of these further, then go take a look at solopreneur.com forward slash EP8 to see some of the resources that relate to this episode. And I'd love to help you to understand these more and perhaps even to implement some of these in your business. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Solopreneur Podcast. Remember that what we learned today builds more value if there's a plan to take action on it tomorrow. So head to solopreneur.com and check out our growing community of action takers and all the training and software that you need to build a scalable business without breaking the bank. And if you value the show, please help others to discover it too by leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts or by sharing a link to an episode on LinkedIn or wherever your finger does its scrolling.